it's amazing how God works. Because um, we were in the direction this week, unbeknownst to what was going to happen, what the enemy was going to try to do. But our whole theme this week in small groups for Co-op Days of Summer is acts of service, acts of kindness. That was our whole theme this week. And so today, as I kind of set the direction as Christians, as believers, as Church on the Hill, fixing the difficulties that we see transpiring right now, the key component, and I'm going to speak on it today for you, teach you about it, is kindness. With that being said, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Father, bless your people today. Help me bring your word forth in truth. Jesus, I need you. Lord, I, I, can't, I can't lead people into all truth, but I can follow you as you lead us into all truth. And Jesus, I need you to help me articulate what you wanted me to say here today. Lord, open the hearts and the minds of the men and women of this congregation and those that listen to us by way of podcast, those that we oversee in other parts of the nation. And Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would bring healing to my nation. That, Lord, that you would allow us, Lord, Church on the Hill, we figured it out. We know what it is to love across racial lines. We know what it is to care and to, and to carry one another's burdens. We've been doing that for years. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would help us now as we go out into the community this week with acts of kindness, that, Lord God, you would help solidify that in every heart of every man here today and every woman here today and every young person that we're raising up and everyone listening to this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. As I sat there Friday morning, having, I didn't get to get all the information like you did, all the things that were happening horribly over the week. It all came to me in one moment because I was outside of having any kind of media being there on that ministry time. And, and so it all came to me all at once. And so I didn't have a, an hour to process and then something else happened in Minnesota and then another day to process. And then the, it all hit me. I, I got all the information at one time. And with that, my spirit just kind of rose inside of me. And I'd like to open this message today with what I wrote in that moment. It was just a, a cry of my heart on what we, the church, are and what we should believe. I believe. I believe that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons can separate us from the love of God. I believe that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. I believe that fear has no power over faith. I believe that the love of Christ dissolves all hate. I believe that in Christ there is neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, that all men are created equal in His image. I believe that the Lord has numbered the hairs of every soul, therefore every soul matters to Him. I believe that God fashioned us in our mother's womb, therefore we are all precious to Him and should be treated as such. I believe that death has no sting for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. I believe that the righteous will prosper in the land, but that the wicked will be 
cut off from it. I believe that life and death is in the power of the tongue so that every word spoken should be submitted to the Holy Spirit. I believe that when the righteous govern, the people are at peace. I believe that moral decay is the result of selfish ambition and that present selfish, selfless acts of humanity can right the wrongs of the past. I believe that independence should be used to bring unity, not disunity. I believe that kindness is the way of Jesus and that it can heal the wrong of all humanity. I believe that every human has free will to choose right from wrong. I believe that ultimate truth comes from the Lord and from his holy word. I believe that trust can be reestablished when honesty prevails. I believe scars are badges for the heroic. I believe that destiny cannot be thwarted for those of us who never give up. I believe that you can have no testimony without a test. No mountaintops without a valley below. No strength without a struggle. I believe that united we stand, but divided we fall. I believe that power without character corrupts. I believe healing starts with taking responsibility by both the plaintiff and the defendant. I believe that diversity should be celebrated, not exterminated. I believe good people outnumber bad people. I believe that fear causes passivity, but that perfect love casts out all fear. I believe misunderstanding dissolves when friendships start. I believe that injustice is the hot wind that causes eagles to soar and chickens to bake. I believe in a loving God that would that none should perish, but all come to eternal life. I believe that my God will never leave me nor forsake me. I believe that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. I believe he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. I believe that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe that people are made in the image of God and that we should act better, be better, do better, understand better, forgive better, trust better, live better, and we should love better. I believe in us. Christians stand together in the love of God. The enemy cannot destroy. We have to stand back to back. Fighting back to back, not face to face. Amen. One of our pastors, we oversee a number of churches and pastors. Last night we got in at midnight. We were stuck in Miami and flying in from Dominican and one of my pastors is an African-American young man with an all African-American congregation. And it, when I finally got cell reception in Miami last night, <clears throat> I had voicemails and text messages. And so I called him back. He said, Pastor, I'm angry. I'm angry. 
my congregation is angry. What do I tell them? I told him, I said, be a man of God. You tell them to be Christians. We're not black, we're not white, we're not Hispanic. We're Christians first. We're like Jesus first. That's who we are. You teach them to be like Jesus. And everything else will take care of itself. And it's from that perspective that I want to minister to you today. I've titled this Kindness and Conflict. And I want to take you to a famous passage. I want to take you to a place where Jesus Christ himself was in great conflict. Great racial difficulty. I want to bring this passage out to you. I want you to understand it's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 29. As you prepare to get there, either turning on your iPhone or your digital Bible, or you have a paper Bible, or you can watch on the screens. In, in, in Luke chapter 10, a man comes to Jesus. He is a teacher of the law, the Bible says. And in this moment, they have lots of conflict. The teachers of the law, in other words, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, have all the expectations of how God was expecting Israel to live, what was right, what was wrong. And then you've got to understand over thousands of years, those, those teachings... They had to have someone translate them to what is relevant for this moment. In other words, this is truth, but how do we apply that to what we're going through now? How does that word apply? And so the rabbis, the teachers of the law, would, 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 would translate it, if you will. And sometimes, like we see here in the States, people preach, and they preach from their own filter, from their own selfish ambition, or from their own hurt, their own wound. So they translate the scriptures off. Maybe not from the true nature of God. And so you have that same problem in Jesus' time. And, and so what they've done is they've gotten to the place where they argue over every one of, of the commandments. And which is the greatest? And which ones are, are the, least, uh, the least valuable? Which ones are the most valuable? Which ones are the most important? And which ones do we do? And so they come to Jesus looking to trick him. And they ask the Lord, they said, which of all the commandments are the greatest? And Jesus, without hesitant, not a lick of hesitation, looks at him and says... To love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. But he doesn't stop there and he says, and the second is as great, is as equal as the first. And that is to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. If you read this passage in chapter 10, where we're starting, verse 29. This teacher of the law is somewhat embarrassed, kind of agitated with Jesus. And so he says, so who then is my neighbor? And this is where we pick up in verse 29. And who then is my neighbor? Verse 30, and Jesus answered, a certain man went down from Jerusalem. I love how Jesus answers. He says, let me put it in perspective for you. Let me tell you a story of righteousness. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Verse 37. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. You've got to understand the, the situation that's transpiring at this moment. 
to really understand this passage of Scripture. Jesus uses a Samaritan and Jews to illustrate what godliness really looks like. In fact, he is responding to what is the greatest of all the commandments. What is the most important thing to be a follower of God that we must do? And he says, well, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Well, what does it mean to love my neighbor? Well, let me put kindness in perspective to you, buddy. Let me show you what it really means. And he talks about a Samaritan and Jews. Now, you have to understand what has transpired over a hundred years. There is a great racial conflict happening between the Samaritans and between the Jews. What had happened was God had established 12 tribes. The 12 tribes became angry and frustrated with one another, and they split into two kingdoms. The north being the 10 tribes, and that was called Israel, or also called Samaria, and the southern tribes being called Judah. And what had happened was the kings of Israel had been wicked, and they had started going back to their old ways of worshiping false idols and literally not worshiping God the Father. And Judah claimed that they were the most holy until some of their kings started doing the same thing. But there was this divide between the people of God. They literally began to be divided. And years passed. And their divisiveness became more and more divisiveness. And they became more and more angry with one another. And they began to defend their position more and more. And they began to say, your position is wrong. Our position is right. God God did great things in our geographical area. No, no, no. God did better things in our geographical area. And then what happened was the Assyrians took over or captured the northern tribes. And as a result, took many of them off, many of the people off into captivity. And those that were able to remain tried to stay holy before the Lord. But the Syrians also brought their people into that area with all their pagan gods and all their pagan worship. And it became, according to the southern tribes, wicked and horrible and vile and not pure anymore. Well, after a hundred years or so, the Babylonians conquered the southern tribe or conquered Judah. And so now Judah has had the same thing. Many of them brought off into captivity. The Babylonians come and settle in there. And then after a few years, 43,000 are able to return. And so there's this divide. We're more righteous. No, we're more righteous. No, we stayed against it. No, no, you didn't. And you have this. And they would argue over these things. And it came so racially charged that Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans said, no, we're the pure race of God. And and a pure divinity uh, has been passed down through us. And the Jews are not the right ones. You're not the full-blooded ones. No, we are. No, you are. And they had this horrible racial divide. Sound familiar? And all of a sudden, it came to be that they wouldn't even cross into each other's territories. So Jesus comes into this racially charged environment. He comes to the planet at this moment as a Jew. He comes into this conflict in the midst of all this to try to bring healing to the nations. Isn't that something? And in this moment that we're looking at here in Luke chapter 10, he says to this Jewish man, you know how you hate the Samaritans? You want to know what it is to love like God, to be like God? Do you know what God requires of a true follower of him? It's not only for us to love him, but to also to love our neighbor. Who then is my neighbor? Well, let me qualify what a neighbor looks like to you, since you want to go there. And he begins to dive right into the racial conflict. He says, well... A Jewish man was on his way somewhere. 
And he was going down these little rocky paths in those days. And he's having to go down in the little canyon and round the corner. And thieves are awaiting for him. And they jump out and they beat the snot out of him. They take all of his clothes. They strip him naked. Take all his money. And they leave him, according to scripture, half dead. I don't know what it is to be half dead, but I think I've been half alive sometimes. He's half dead. He says, and then, of all of the great Jewish people, a priest, who is by far considered in our culture the most holy, the most noble, the most godlike person, is on his way, and he crosses paths with this man that's half dead. A Jewish man, Jewish man, Jewish man, Jewish man. And he looks at him, and he passes by on the other side, not wanting to get involved. He says, and like that, then a Levite, put in our vernacular, a worship leader from a great, a great important church. He's on the same road, and he sees the guy, but he goes by on the other side and doesn't help him. And then comes a Samaritan, the ones you hate, the ones that you say they don't matter, the ones that you say they aren't as good as we are. He comes along, and he takes pity on him. And he heals him. He works with him. He ministers to him. So what do you think was the right one? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And he said, now go and do likewise. I want to give you five little stages in this whole process that God's going to take us and use us to change our nation. Because I believe that we're the Samaritans in the room. Come on, somebody. I believe that we can bring about healing, but we have to first start with these stages of kindness. And let me give you the first step. You ready? Say yes. Number one, the first stage is that he saw with the eyes of compassion. He saw with eyes of compassion. The other guys, they're of the same race. They're of the same color. They're of the same background. They got the same, the same way of thinking. But when they saw him laying half dead, they saw him through eyes of selfishness. Man, I'm, I'm late. Man, it does. Listen, he, he got what he deserved. He shouldn't have been on this road by himself. Man, you know, I, I just don't really have time. But when the Samaritan comes, he doesn't see him through the eyes of his hurt. Come on, somebody. He doesn't see him through the eyes of how he grew up hearing about these type of people right here and what they'll do for you and what they'll do to you. He's not seeing him through the eyes of his pain and his difficulty. He sees him through the eyes of compassion that says, you know what? He's not my same color. He's not my same type. He doesn't have my same background. We disagree on so many things, but he still is a human and Jesus Christ can steal healing through my hands and I would that none should perish is what the Bible says and so I will be a conduit for God to move he saw him with eyes and compassion take off the blinders how busy we all are so that's their problem that's not my problem talk about building a wall I'm not Mexican so I don't have a problem with that well you know they do right, they won't, that won't happen to them. You need to see with eyes of compassion that all men are created equal in the image of our God. And that every life matters. And that we fight for righteousness. And we do that through kindness. Because see, hate, fighting hate leads to more hate. But hate cannot overcome kindness. Kindness overcomes hate. 
And this is Jesus' principle when he's fixing racial divide. He says, well, let me tell you how we're going to fix it, buddy. You don't even want to talk about racial stuff, so let me just go straight there. Love God and love each other. And let me show you how to do it. Number one, see with compassion. Number two, you still there? Say yes. Number two, he went to him. He went to him. He got down off of his donkey. He went down to him and he got him and he started ministering. Listen, the problem that many of us have is we're trying to get them up to, well, if you, come on up here. Come on up here. Hey, get up, buddy. If you come up here, then I can help you. But if you can't come up here, I'm sorry. Because you got to get up to this level before I can. Listen, friend, let me tell you something. Healing starts when we not only see the need, but we get down off of our place and go down into the middle of that need. And we say, you know what? I'm going to do something that, something that's different. I'm going to get down where the problem is at and I'm going to get into there and start bringing revelation and ministry and help. And then you know what to do. See, I, I, this is the problem that I have with bureaucracy. You, that's awesome. All your great ideas, but you're not even in the middle of it. So you don't even know that your ideas aren't going to ever work because you're not on the front lines. And the people that are on the front lines, you don't listen to them. What you and I have to do is get down in the problem. And as we get down in the problem, we'll find solutions. Isn't that good? Say yes. That's what we've learned to do as a church. We don't preach at you. We get in it, we're in it together. It's not the ministry team versus the people. We're all the people of God figuring this thing out together. Here's a third thing that we can see from this passage is that is he then bandaged up his wounds. He bandaged up his wounds, the scripture says. He got down in it and he started bandaging up his wounds. He brought healing to what someone else did. He could have said, hey, I didn't do this. Hey, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I'm not the one who created this problem. Why why are you looking at me like that? Why are you standing in rejection of me? I didn't do it, so you know, oh well. I love what Alan said. said. He said, my wife had all of this hurt and mistrust because of what she had experienced in life. And if I really, really loved her and I really, really wanted to be with her, then that means I had to accept all of her mistrust and I had to bandage up those wounds time and time again until she could have have trust rebuilt and to where she could trust me that I wasn't what she had experienced when she was a child. It's not going to happen through lecturing. It's going to happen when we start bandaging up wounds. Are you with me? Say yes. And the fourth thing that we see here is that he set him on his own donkey. He, he put his money where his mouth was. He set him on his own donkey. He said, listen, hey, hey, I'm going to use my personal resources. And I'm going to be part of this solution. You know, it's amazing. We want, to departmentalize, we want to departmentalize all the problems. Hey, why don't we start a such and such ministry to reach to the such and such people? No. Why don't you reach the such and such people? Well, you know, I, I, I think we ought to get our ties and we ought to create a team and they need a team. No, 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 no. Minister to the need right where you're at. That's the solution. The solution is not trying to organize more teams. Alan was telling us in the city that they're always trying to figure out we need to throw more money at the problem. We need to, we need to, get, more, we need to get more organizational groups to come and do the problem. And he says, listen, he said, after years and years and years of doing this, He said, the answer is that every Christian would take responsibility for someone hurting and begin to minister to them. He said, every place we do that in, i.e. Cedar Hill, that's where the miracles are happening. When you and I say, you know what, I can't change everything, but I know one young man who needs me right now. I know one young lady who is so bitter. Follow her tweet. She is so angry. And I'm going to go sit down with her. And I'm going to love her. Even if she rejects me, I'm going to reach out to her. 
I, I, I got this one coworker at, at work. He's always cussing and he's always acting prejudiced. I got one guy that I'm going to love him and show him kindness. And I'm going to bandage up those wounds until something supernatural happens in his life. This is what kindness does. It overcomes. It overcomes the wickedness of this world. And the last piece, we've got to hurry for time. He took responsibility for his ongoing recovery. He says, listen, I got to go. But I, I'm giving you this amount of money. And while I'm gone, I'm going to return. Innkeeper, whatever else it costs, I'm willing to pay. Because I want to see this thing through to the finish. We learned this in missions years ago. Years ago, we would go on a mission trip. We'd do missions work. And we would go in and we would, we would we'd spend our American effort for two weeks. We'd build a little something. And we'd say, yeah, you got it. Okay, I hope it works out for you guys. And we would leave. And we couldn't figure out why there was not continually something happening and God moving. And the reason why is because we just gave them a little something, but we didn't see it all the way through. And then we learned, you know what? We're going to go develop those leaders there. We're going to serve those leaders until they can stand on their own. And then we can move to the next thing. But we're not going to just throw it out there and hope something happens we've got to get down in it we've got to stay in it until it's on its own feet until he's standing on his own and he says and listen and whatever it costs until this man's able to stand on his own own until he's able to to to, to go and, and and care for his own self i'm willing to pay for it until he gets to that spot and this is where the church has quit and this is where you and i can do it differently this is our finest hour church this is it this is what we were made for Because when horrible things happen, everyone starts looking, what's the answer? And we know the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. We have accepted him, and his light shines down in our hearts. His word teaches us how to live in horrible times. And what did he teach us? Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. These two principles are the principles that govern everything about my life, your life, and the kingdom of God. Love God and love people as much as you love yourself. And that kindness will destroy the hate. That kindness, you have no idea. You have no idea what one little act of kindness will do. The ripple effects that it has on people's lives. I like what Mark Twain said. Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Emerson said, you cannot do a kind, excuse me, you cannot do a kindness too soon. For you never know how soon it will be too late. I like this one. You can accomplish by kindness what you cannot accomplish by force. And I love Princess Diane said this. Diana, carry out a random act of kindness with no expectation of reward, safe in the knowledge that one day someone might do the same for you. Alan told us the story about the hate in his heart because of the injustice that he and his race experienced. But how one young white man showing him kindness and then presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to him changed everything. When Alan took over leadership of the city here in Cedar Hill, there was a great divide between the old white regime and the young African Americans that were coming in. There was great turmoil here in the city years ago. And Alan stood between the two groups. He could have been full of hatred still towards the white folks. He could have rallied by force. But he didn't because the love of Christ had replaced the hatred in his heart. And in that place, he was kind and kindness. They tell me stories about 
about Alan, of the kindness that he had. The way he, the way he, turned, to, he turned his cheek when those people were rude. The kindness that he walked in and the stability that the city of Cedar Hill now has. And I believe it has a lot to do with this man of God and because of the kindness that he walks in. And I believe it's the very thing that's going to happen in Dallas if they'll listen to him. As a church, this week, we already had it scheduled. It's crazy what God was doing already. That we would go forth into our community with acts of kindness. You have no idea. You have no idea what paying for that lunch of that person in line behind you. You have no idea what to do for them. You have no idea what, what just being kind enough to notice that somebody's struggling with something and saying, hey, can I pray for you? I know it's Walmart, but is it all right if I pray for you? You have no idea what it, what it does to say, you know what, I, I may not understand everything about your culture, I, I just, I, I, but I want to. Will you, will you let me be your friend? Will you show me how to be your friend? You don't understand what those acts of kindness, will you, will you take that young person who, who, who doesn't have a, a father figure, who, who's violent and, and rash and staying in trouble, and you say, I'll take him. I'll, 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 I'll disciple him. I'll, I'll go take him to lunch, and I'll speak to him. I'll, I'll love on him. You have no idea what the men over the series of my life as a young man without, without a father figure, African-American, Anglo, has been those men, I can point to them as they took me aside and they began to mentor me. One of the greatest mentors of my life, my basketball coach, Don Green, I love him to this day. He taught me how to be a man of God. He, he taught, I, I have such a love for the African-American community because, because I owe everything that I am to Don. <laughs> he changed me because he showed kindness to me. A little white kid that wasn't very good at basketball that the other coaches wouldn't even play. Not only did he play me, but he coached me. And he didn't just coach me basketball, he coached me life. And I'm a great man of God because of him today. You have no idea what your acts of kindness will do in our community, in this city, surrounding neighborhoods and communities, and for our nation. I want you to stand with me all across the room. It's a sovereign moment in our nation, but we have the answer. You're sitting next to the answer. You're holding hands with the answer. The people of God standing in righteousness, showing kindness to the lost and the dying. And I promise you, we'll turn the whole thing around. Would you join hands with that person next to you? If you're visiting with us today, it's a little different service, a little different message. But our nation's in a different moment. you to bow your heads with me. Have you ever had an African American in your home? You ever invited him to lunch? Have you ever let a white man hug you, squeeze you strong? Have you ever thought for a moment what that joke, how it felt to that Hispanic person? Do you ever consider That we all have guards. We all have backgrounds. We all have experiences that we filter everything through. Would you make a commitment with me today to show kindness to our generation? Would you be willing to get down off your high horse and get down in it with some folks? Would you be willing to bandage up those wounds 
So I didn't even make that happen. That's not my problem. I didn't create that problem. Nope. Neither did that Samaritan. But he got down in it. He spent his own money, his own effort, his own research. Where did he get those bandages from? He tore them off of his own clothes. He bound up those wounds. Cared for that individual until they were strong enough to care for themselves. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm so proud of this church. You are amazing people. You love unconditionally. But I tell you, the Lord's looking for us to go to the next level in kindness. He's looking for us. He wants to promote us and put us out in the front. Already they're looking at us. Churches from around the nation are asking us, so how do you have a multiracial congregation? How do you have a multi-generational? Do the old people not like the music? The young people go sit in church with their grandparents? Uh, how do y'all do small groups and you got mixed cultures together laughing and eating cake together? How do y'all do that? You know what I tell them? We try. I don't, I don't know if we do it all right, but we're trying. That's what this nation needs. With your head bowed and your eye closed, would you just begin to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I'm on the team. I'm not going to walk past the hurting anymore. Lord, if you put one on my path, if you show me who it is, if you, who can I help, who can I love, who can I show kindness to? Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us with all of our own wounds. Lord, I'm sure that the priest and I'm sure the Levite, I'm sure they had their own insecurities about the situation. I'm sure they looked at that man wondering, well, will he jump up and kill me? Is he really, is he faking it? I'm sure they had their own selfish concerns. But Lord, today we've got to lay that down and Lord, help us, help me. Lord, lay down our selfish concerns and just begin to bind up the broken heart. Lord, may we show kindness, oh God. Lord God, we don't have to go out and save every person. We just, the kindness to the coworker who's always throwing in those dirty jokes. Kindness, oh God, to the neighbor whose, whose house is horrible. He won't ever cut his grass. Lord, kindness, help us, oh God. Help us to see with eyes of compassion where we hadn't seen before. Help us look through the lens the eyes of Jesus and may we see what you see and feel what you feel the Lord may you use us to change our generation may you transform us all put your hands still together Lord we pray for the United States of America the land of the free the home of the brave Lord we pray right now as one family one unit with, we say right now we stand against every demonic this is demonic and we stand against every demonic force that's trying to divide our nation we rebuke you in Jesus name in Jesus name and Father we pray Lord God for those in leadership we pray for our president that you give him wisdom Lord we pray for our governor Lord God that you give him wisdom Lord we pray for those in leadership positions Lord, those in the police force, those in the fire department, those in the rescue. Lord, all the city officials, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, oh God. And Lord, those that are bitter, Lord, heal them. Lord, those, oh God, that walk in fear and, 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 and use their authority wrong. Fix them, remove them, whatever you have to do, oh God. And Lord God, heal our nation. Father, I thank you right now that kindness wins out. And may every man and woman in this room leave this place and say, it's time to be kind again. Lord, it's time for us to stop saying, well, this happened to me, now I'm going to do this. It's the same thing that was happening with the Samaritans and the Jews. 
they both had their rights. They both, they both wanted to be right. But Jesus came and he loved. He showed kindness to both and brought healing. So Lord, heal our nation. Use kindness, kind acts through us, the believers, to bring resolve in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give Jesus a hand? We love you, Jesus.